3 o'clock uh, is going to be the time. We'll finish around 3 o'clock. So looking forward to what the Lord's going to do with the ladies. Uh, 3 o'clock, 3 o'clock. And I know, ladies, you're going to be tremendous at 3 o'clock together. Guys, we're going to start sign up probably uh, real soon here. Uh, not this weekend, but uh, the end of January for the last Saturday in February. And we're going to be doing a one-day men's conference on running your race. And so same thing, catered lunch and looking forward to that. So we like to do that in January and February, have those one-day conferences to just bless the men and the women. And so, ladies, this Saturday... Uh, come and be blessed. So coming on Saturday. So 9 to 3 o'clock, doors open at 8.15. Uh, ladies also signing up for the ladies uh, um, Bible study that will begin on Thursday, January 28th. And so a lot of you are signed up for that. It's 9.30 to 11 o'clock. So um, that'll start up next Thursday, a week from tomorrow. And then Sandy Sanders is leading that Bible study and then she just let me know that they could use some help with uh, child care. So if the Lord puts that on your heart, please let us know or let her know. And uh, we'll let you know all the information on that. So about 9.30 to 11 o'clock is when the ladies meet on Thursday morning. Other than that, there's other things there in your bulletin. Take a look at it. Middle schoolers uh, on this Friday are going to be going ice skating. So parents upstairs will be reminding the kids at 7 o'clock, don't bring them here. Bring them over to the ice uh, Greeley Ice House on 8th Avenue downtown. $7 includes skate rentals. So, again, those that are the announcements for tonight, Sunday morning, 8, 9, 30, 11 o'clock. We're going to finish Colossians chapter 1. We've been going through Colossians chapter 1, taking our time going through uh, that chapter because it's a really important chapter as it talks about the preeminence and of Christ, the sufficiency of Christ. Um, that he is the creator of all things. He is preeminent over all creation. Psalm 104 is going to talk about uh, God and uh, his, you know, he's all powerful um, and going to be speaking of the greatness of God, the creator of all things. And so um, it's interesting that that's what we've been talking about in Colossians chapter 1, that Jesus, he's the creator of all things. So he has preeminence over all creation. He has preeminence over redemption. And then we're going to see that he has preeminence over the church. So I know that we're going to continue to be blessed as we can uh, continue in chapter 1 of the book of Colossians. Invite somebody out, bring them here, and, uh, and we're going to study God's word together and just have a wonderful study on Sunday. So 8, 9, 30, and 11 o'clock, three Sunday morning services. Father, we thank you that we're here. And I pray that right now as we come that our ears would be open and our hearts soft before you, teachable. As we go through these psalms, that we would be blessed and encouraged and helped. And Lord, that comfort would come to us. And Lord, that we would just, again, see your greatness and your wisdom and your faithfulness. All these things that we're going to see the psalmists are going to express. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, we would right now just be attentive at this time and uh and just desiring right now to take in uh these psalms the word of god and have it work deep within our hearts to have fruit produced in our lives to to lift us up to encourage us and instruct us and it's in jesus name that we pray amen so psalm 104 is a, a psalm praising god as the creator in his glory 
And the psalmist writes, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. Who cover yourself with light as with a garment, who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. And so the psalmist is speaking of the greatness of God. And it's interesting that the psalmist writes out, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And we've seen that in the last couple of psalms. Matter of fact, last week as we finished at Psalm 103, a psalm of David, David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget his benefits. And David was one that uh, he talked to his soul a lot. He said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. The soul speaking of the mind and the emotions, the very uh, deep inner part of us is he says bless the lord oh my soul and don't forget his benefits david was one that talked to himself a lot and in other places in the psalms we saw that david would say why is my soul cast down O lord when he was down and discouraged and we can get discouraged and down and we can hurt and as we go through the difficulties of life and why are you cast down oh my soul as he uh, would express that to the lord and then at other times oh bless the lord oh my soul and that's what the psalmist here does and and i think it's for good for us to say that in my soul in my heart and in with my emotions and with my mind because remember that jesus said that we are to love the lord with all of our heart soul mind and strength and to love him with every being that we have and we can say lord i just want to bless you this morning Oh, my soul, bless you because of the benefits that I have in you. And that's what the psalmist is, is writing about, that, Lord, you are great and you are glorious. And speaking of God here in these first verses, that, Lord, you are very great. You're clothed with honor and majesty, who cover yourself with light as with a garment, who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. So here the psalmist speaking of, of that God that he is light. In, in light, when God is, as John says in his epistle, that God is light, not that he uh, is, you know, a light bulb, but he is light. And it's speaking that he's absolutely pure, he's absolutely holy, he's absolute, you know, goodness. And that's what it speaks about, that God is light. And of course, Jesus, he came along in John's gospel, and one of the I am statements of Jesus is that I am the light of the world. And light has come into the world. Um, and we know that as believers, that we, as sons and daughters of the living God, that we are called, you know, ones that are the light of the world as well. In other words, that we have been brought out of the darkness into his marvelous light. And the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, and that's what is going to be Paul speaking about. He's going to be talking about the mystery that's now revealed, as we will discuss on Sunday, that Christ in you, the light of the world that is in us, to be a light to this dark world, because it is dark out there, isn't it? And as we are the light of the world as children of God, what that speaks of is that we should have a desire to walk in purity. We should have a desire to walk in holiness. We should, you know, demonstrate the goodness of God in our lives and declare the goodness of God to others. So that's what it means to be a light. So here the psalmist begins to talk about the greatness of God. And then in verse 3, he lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters, who makes the clouds his chariots, who walks on the wings of the wind, who makes his angel spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. 
I like kind of the poetic language here, who walks on the wings of the wind. He makes the clouds his chariots. One of the things that I really love about spring and summertime is when we get the big cumulus clouds and you look up there. I love looking at the clouds and, and, and just thinking about this verse here, how he makes the clouds his chariots. But also his angel spirits, his ministers of flame of fire. And angels, of course, are very, very real. They're ministering spirits. And, and we know that the Bible talks a lot about angels all the way from Genesis through Revelation. Matter of fact, in the book of Revelation in chapter 5, in that scene around the throne of God that John, he writes that as, as he's heard the song of the angels, that there was 10,000 times 10,000. I think 10,000 times 10,000, I was just thinking about it before service. I think that's 100 million, isn't it? And thousands upon thousands. And so all these angels created beings and that has order. And, of course, all throughout the scriptures, it talks about angels that are very real. Now, we don't worship angels, but we know that they are created beings and they're ministering spirits. And then also, as we continue on, that the Lord, you are the one, verse 5, who laid the foundations of the earth so that it should not be moved forever. You covered it with deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. And at the voice of your thunder, they hastened away. And they went up over the mountains and they went down into the valleys to the place which you found it for them. And you have set a boundary that they may not pass over, that they may not return to cover the earth. We do know that as the Lord created the, the heavens and the earth in day one, that there was the firmament and he separated the waters, the waters on the earth. And then uh, we know that later on that he would then create the land. And here we know that as the land and the water separated, he would set the boundaries to that. And then also when the worldwide flood came, of course, in the book of Genesis, as God judged the earth and it, uh, the firmament would collapse and the climate of the earth would change and the waters came from underneath, a great upheaval of water uh, that would come as the earth's crust would split. And then the earth was covered with water as it was Noah and his family that was there safe in the ark. But it covered all the mountains and, and then as the waters receded, there was the continents that were set and the boundaries of the land and the water. And as we look at God's creation, it's so wonderful. Uh, we see the wisdom of God's creation. And it's interesting that as you look at the landmass, the ocean mass, that it has a lot to do with life on this earth and this world as we know it. And we know it true for the United States. We have, as it's going to be the winds that are going to be talked about here by the psalmist. But do you realize that the Gulf of Mexico, if that was land, that the Midwest would be a big desert is what it would be. Because we know that the storms come. And, and do you hear about the big storm that's going to the East Coast, I guess, headed this weekend? And they're talking about it, and it's supposed to be a really you know, intense storm and winter storm that they're preparing for. But we know that the Midwest draws that moisture up from the Gulf of Mexico and the moisture comes and that's what gives it its rain, but also uh, Tornado Alley and, and that's what gives it uh, that humid feeling. And so God knew what he was doing when he created you know, the oceans and, and divided the land from the oceans. And of course, uh, having that moisture and stuff, it's very fertile in the Midwest. And so 
God here, he set the boundaries, and he's so wonderful in, in his creation. The psalmist continues in verse 10. He sends the springs into the valleys, and they flow among the hills, and he gives drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst, and by them the birds of the heavens have their home, and they sing among the branches. I was talking to somebody right before service, and of course, you know, all of us are kind of you know, this time of the year, it seems like snow's been on the ground for a couple months, and, and um, we, we long for spring to come. But one of my favorite things about the spring, again, it's not only the, the, the cumulus clouds that build up and the rain clouds, but also in the morning to hear the birds, right, when they sing, and they're singing, and, and they're awake, and I love to wake up to that. Uh, to me, it's, it's better than waking up to fog and, and, you know, snow all over the ground, and it's dark and all of that. But that is a, 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 just a neat thing for me to hear the birds that are just, you know, busy and, and chirping away and singing away. And, and that's what the psalmist is saying, that he hears uh, these birds that are doing that. He hears how they are uh, singing, and, and uh, he continues here uh, as they sing among the branches. In verse 13, he, he waters the hills from his upper chambers, and the earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and the vegetation for the service of man, that they may bring forth food from the earth and wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and the bread which strengthens man's heart. Verse 16, the trees of the Lord are full of sap, and the cedars of Lebanon which he planted, where the birds make their nests, and the stork has her home in the fir trees. And I, the high hills are for the wild goats, and the cliffs are a refuge for the rock badgers. And so here the psalmist again, just continuing to, uh, to note, not only is our God great, but he's very gracious as well. And he provides what we need. He meets our needs. God is the giver. And, and he is the one that every good gift, as James says in his epistle, comes from above, comes from him. And what I hope and pray is that we would always remember that, that he is the creator, that he is the great creator, but he is the one that is the giver as well, and he's very gracious. And he desires to supply all of our needs because maybe you're here tonight, and maybe you're thinking, Lord, how are you going to you know, meet my needs in this new year, you know, in the months ahead, in the weeks ahead? And perhaps you're wondering about, uh, is God going to be able to provide for me? And as we trust in him and as we look to him, and as we are guided and directed by him, he is the one that is very gracious and he desires to give to us. And he desires to provide for us to meet our needs because, as Paul writes, that he will supply all our needs in Christ Jesus. Maybe not necessarily our wants, but he does supply our needs. And he's not going to withhold anything from you that is good. And that's the promise of Romans chapter 8, that he freely gives all things to those who are in Christ Jesus, and the implication is good things. And listen, is if he is not giving you something right now that you've been praying about or you desire, that perhaps maybe it isn't good for you or he has something better or he's saying wait. But he is the one that's going to provide for us, just as the psalmist is saying he's the one that uh, supplies bread for man's heart, and, and he's the one that uh, plants you know, and created the trees for the birds to make their homes, and uh, the cliffs for the rock badgers. In verse 19, he continues the psalmist, he appointed the moon for seasons, and the sun knows it's going down. 
You make darkness and it is night, in which all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their food from God. And when the sun rises, they gather together and lie down in their dens. And man goes out to his work and to his labor until evening. And so as we continue, verse 24, O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. This great and wide sea, which is which are innumerable, teeming things, living things both small and great. The other ships sail about, and there is that Leviathan which you have made to play there. So not only is God great in his creation, not only is he gracious, but also he's very wise in his creation. And as you look at the diversity, and that's what he's talking about, the diversity of life in the sea. You know, if you go to, um, you know, a place in you know, like SeaWorld or something or aquarium and you see the different sea animals. There's all kinds of weird creatures, aren't there, in the ocean. And matter of fact, when that great tsunami happened um, about four or five years ago in the Indian Ocean, that so many died out of that tsunami. Uh, I think a quarter of a million people perished. But one of the things that happened, because it was such a great tsunami and a, a deep earthquake under the Indian Ocean, is there were sea animals that washed up that they had never discovered before. And I was looking at some of those, those sea creatures that man had never seen before that was washed up. We don't know all the species that are there in the ocean. We don't even know all the species, perhaps, that are in the deep jungles of Africa or South America. There are unknown bugs and, and spiders and, and things like that and even plant life. But God's creation is so wonderful. And, and here he also talks about the Leviathan. Remember the Leviathan? We went through the book of Job. The book of Job, uh, he described the Leviathan kind of as a sea creature, some kind of sea dragon. And, and some people say, well, it's just a poetic term for a whale or something. No, I think that there was actually a Leviathan that was some kind of sea monster that the psalmist, this is close to 3,000 years old, and Job was written, the oldest book of the Bible, the, during the time of the patriarchs, probably even before Abraham, that there is some kind of Leviathan, of course, that is extinct. But it's interesting that the Bible mentions these things. And, and, and the Bible is one that mentions the Leviathan over and over again in the Psalms and in the book of Job. So when I get to heaven, it's like, what's up with this Leviathan, Lord? You know, what was it like? And I don't know, maybe he has a picture of one or something. But uh, I'd love to see what one of those things are. And uh, I lie awake at night wondering, what is a Leviathan? So... Verse 27, these all wait for you, that you may give them their food in due season. What you give them, they gather in. You open your hand, and they are filled with good. You hide your face, and they are troubled. You take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. You send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. And may the glory of the Lord endure forever, in verse 31. May the Lord rejoice in his works. And he looks on the earth, and it trembles. And he touches the hills, and, and they smoke. And I will sing to the Lord as long as I live, and I will sing praise to my God 
while I have my being. May my meditation be sweet to him. I will be glad in the Lord. May sinners be consumed from the earth and the wicked no more. And bless the Lord, O my soul, and praise the Lord. So here God is in control of creation. He, he makes the wind stops. Uh, he restores the world. And we know that he looks on the earth and it trembles. And then the psalmist, he says, I'm going to sing unto the Lord as long as I live. And it's interesting that it is the creation that declares the greatness and the glory of God and the wisdom of God and the graciousness of God. But I want to remind us again of what we've been talking about in Colossians chapter 1 because uh, all things were created by him, speaking of Christ. And we know that he is the creator of all things and he's preeminent in creation. And there was nothing that was made that he didn't create and also that it was all created by him. And I want to remind you, and I think the psalmist is saying that as he's thinking about the creation of the Lord uh, and he being the great creator, that, Lord, I'm going to sing praises unto you. And remember what Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1, that they were created by him and it was created for him. And I just want to remind you and I of that very important truth declared in Scripture that you and I were created for him, for his good pleasures. Even as Revelation chapter 4, that uh, the 24 elders were singing that song, that you created us for your good pleasures. And then also in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Listen, the Lord created you for his good pleasures. And when we really understand that, even as Paul says that we are created by him and for him, and by him all things consist, or that is, is held together. And when we really make that our own, and I pray that we do, every day of our lives and every era of our lives, that as we realize that, Lord, I'm to live for you and be submitted to you and surrender to you every single day, and allow you to hold my life together. Because he's the one that holds all creation together. He holds the universe in its order. Do you know that the universe has order? He holds the, the, the moon in its orbit, the earth in its orbits, the, the galaxies in, in, in that is spinning, all of the universe. It, it has order in it. And he holds it all in the palm of his hand, the scripture says. And he holds it all together. And he holds our lives together. And as we just say, Lord, I'm going to look to you in every day of my life and to walk in your ways and to know you more and to sing praises unto you, the great creator, because I understand that I was created by you and I am created for you, for your good pleasures, and that you're the one that holds everything together in my life. You see, here's the tendency can be, even for us as Christians, we can say, Lord, I have this area down. When it comes to perhaps your marriage, your business, when it comes to your family, when it comes to you know, your health, when it comes to any area, I got this down, Lord. I don't need to trust in you. you know, I don't need to look to you. I don't need to pray about this area. And then what happens in, in our strength, we find out that we're not as strong as we thought we were. And things become you know, difficult, and things unravel, and things begin to fall apart. 
But what we are to do is say, Lord, every area of my life, when it comes to my marriage, when it comes to my kids, when it comes to my job, when it comes to my finances, my business, when it comes to everything, I'm going to allow you to hold it together and just trust in you and, and surrender it to you. You see, oftentimes what we see in the scriptures, those who thought they were so strong in an area, they ended up failing when they did it out of their own strength. Moses, the meekest man on the face of the earth, he, he was meek, he was humbled, he, and how did he fail? He was told by the Lord, speak to the rock because the people are thirsty. The people at the end of that 40 years of wandering through the wilderness, and Moses went through so much, and he went through difficulties, and he was the pastor of the largest church there ever was in, in the history of the world, two and a half million people. They didn't have a building. They were out there in the wilderness. For 40 years, he was the pastor, and they weren't the nicest people either. They murmured and complained and wanted to stone him and, and all of this and rebelled against him. And at the end of those 40 years, here is Moses, the meekest man on the face of the earth, the most humble man. The Lord says the people are thirsty. They need a drink. And Moses, he took his staff and he struck the rock twice and he yelled at the people and he said, must we fetch water for you? And the Lord said, Moses, I need to talk with you a minute. You know, what's this we stuff? Where are you taking the glory from me? You know, I wanted to give him a drink and I provided for that. So he misrepresented God in that. We know that it was David who, had a, who was a man after God's own heart. And going through these psalms, I think, oh, David, you had a deep love for the Lord and a deep desire to know him and to walk with him and to please him with your life. We see that with David. But where did David fail? When he should have been out to war, he walks out on his patio and he sees Bathsheba and he desired her. We look at Peter's life. Peter, I think, was a brave individual. He was the only one that stepped out of the boat onto the Sea of Galilee and walked on water. He's the one that he swore to the Lord that night that Jesus would be arrested, that I won't deny you and, and I won't leave you. Maybe these other guys will, but not me. I'm gonna, I'll die for you, Lord. And I think he really meant it. And I think he really loved the Lord. And as the soldiers come to arrest you know, Jesus, there is Peter with his sword, and he gets the ear of Malchus, the servant of the high priest, and then he runs away. But Peter was trying to do that out of his own energy and his own flesh, and it took a lot of courage for Peter to take that sword out and get Malchus. But where did he fail? He was scared of a little girl. And you see, when we think that we're so strong and tough, and I got it together in this area, we will find oftentimes is that's when we will fail. And we need to be careful that, Lord, yeah, things are good and, and things are going smooth and, and the future looks bright, but I know that I need to continue to pray for my family and those that are linked to me in my life and for my spouse and, and for, you know, every area of your life. You just completely surrender to him because he's the one that holds it all together, not us. And I have found this to be true in my own life, where I think that I'm strong, that's where I'm weak. 
And that's where I can be vulnerable. And that's where the enemy can come in and really uh, begin to tear down and break down because I'm not giving it fully to the Lord. So here the psalmist is writing that, that Lord, I'm going to sing unto you and, and uh, may my meditation be sweet to him and I will be glad in the Lord. And then Psalm 105, Psalm 105 is God's faithfulness to his people. And the psalmist writes, So give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous works. In verse 3, glory in his holy name, and let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord, and seek the Lord in his strength, seek his face evermore, and remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. We see that in verses 1 through 5, there are 10 commands that are given to us. First of all, in verse 1, that we are to give thanks. We are to give thanks to him. And we can go through the difficulties of life, but even in those difficulties that as a Christian, you and I always have a reason to give thanks, don't we? Because of his marvelous works, because what he has done for you and for me, because we have salvation and forgiveness of sin, we always should have a heart of thankfulness. And so he says, give thanks to the Lord. And every day we can say, thank you, Lord, that you have forgiven me and I have salvation and, and that your promises are true for me. So the psalm is saying, give thanks. And isn't it interesting, going through the psalms, that we've seen over and over and over again how we are to give thanks to the Lord. That should be something that we do daily, just giving thanks to him. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that I belong to you. So it's important, I believe, that we have a thankful heart. And then second of all, in verse 1, we can call upon him. That's one of the reasons we can be thankful, isn't it? That we are a child of God and we can call upon him and he hears us. And he desires for you to call upon him. Nowhere in the scriptures do I see any hint of the Lord saying, don't call upon me. Or I only can be called upon from 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. He says that, listen, call upon me anytime that you want. And in the book of Hebrews, of course, it tells us that we can go into the Holy of Holies. It's talking about the presence of the Lord with confidence, not our own confidence, but we can go in with confidence because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And as I've mentioned this to you before, as we've done our study in the Old Testament, you see one of the weaknesses of the Old Covenant, the Testament, it didn't bring the people to the presence of the Lord. Oh, there was a Lord in, in a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud in the middle of the camp. There was a Lord that, you know, took the Mount Sinai and it shook. Uh, there was those, you know, kinds of... of, of where the people really sense the presence of the Lord and, and the awesomeness of the Lord, but only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies where the tangible presence of God was. And that was for a short time, for, you know, once a year uh, to make atonement for the sins of the nation. And so the book of Hebrews painstakingly is it's making the, the case that Jesus is superior and that the, the Old Covenant needed to be replaced by the New Covenant because the Old Covenant fell short. It didn't bring forgiveness of sin. It only covered sin until Jesus Christ came and died for our sins once and for all. But also now that Jesus died for our sins and as he was on that cross and he cried out, it is finished, it tells us in Matthew's narrative that the, the veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place rent in half. 
And then all of a sudden, those priests in the holy place could see into the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest could go in once a year. The tangible presence of God, all of a sudden, they could see into the Holy of Holies. And it was like the Lord was saying that, come on in. Come on in, because Jesus just died on the cross for you. And we can go into the Holy of Holies, that is the presence of the Lord, and call upon him. We can do it any time we want. And we can stay as long as we want. And we can do it as many times as we want. Do we realize the awesome privilege that you and I have of calling upon the Lord and spending time with him? And the Lord desires for us to spend time with him. He doesn't get tired of us. You know, other people may get tired of us, but the Lord doesn't. And he desires for us to sit at his feet and then just fellowship with him. And may that be the priority of our lives. You know, Luke chapter 7 speaks to me a lot in, in my life, and especially where I'm at. Because I've always been more of a Martha in the kitchen, cooking and, and busy and get distracted. And Jesus said, you know, as Martha was protesting, tell that sister Mary to come in and help me. And, and Martha, Martha, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, you're busy with so many things. But Mary has picked the better part. He didn't say what you're doing is bad. But I know that I need to learn to spend more time at the feet of Jesus. Oh, there's time to be busy, and there's time to be working, and there's ministry to be done. I understand that. But I know oftentimes I can waste time or get so distracted that I'm not taking the better part of being at the feet of Jesus and worshiping him. So we are thankful to him. Verse 1, we call upon him. Thirdly, make known. Make known his marvelous works, as the psalmist says. Make known his deeds among the people. And then in, in, in verse 5, the tenth thing that's going to be listed, remember his marvelous works, which he has done. You know, that's one of the things that the Lord, throughout the scriptures that you see, particularly in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel went into the promised land, and the book of Joshua is a book of victory, isn't it? It's a book of victory, and, and we know that uh, they conquered the land and, and, uh, and divided up the land, their allotments, the 12 tribes. But then you go to the book of Judges. Now, at the end of Joshua, Joshua says, Choose this day whom you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And you flip the page over, you go into Judges chapter 1. By the time you get to chapter 2, the children of Israel, that generation after Joshua, says that they forgot the Lord and the works of the Lord. They forgot about what the Lord had done for them, a generation after Joshua. And you see, as their history continue, as you read in the, in the days after David and Solomon, when the nation split to the house of Israel and the house of Judah, the prophets came on the scene. They were involved in idol worship and false worship. And, and the prophets would come along and they said that, remember how the Lord brought you out of Egypt. We're going to see here that this is going to give us a history how God brought them out of Egypt. The psalmist is remembering that. The awesome work of God, the faithfulness of God to his people here. And remember, the prophets would say, how he brought you out and gave you this land and how he's provided for you. We need to remember what the Lord has done for us. We need to make that known what he has done for us. Remember that he's forgiven us and he's made us a new creation. 
Not that we become a good person or a religious person or, you know, uh, we're a better person. No, we are a new creation in Christ. We have a new heart. We're forgiven. And we need to remember how he's brought us out of Egypt, out of the world. And now we're citizens of heaven. And we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And we need to remember and we need to praise him and thank him for that. And we need to make that known to others and what he's doing in your life. As you see the faithfulness of God being worked out in your own life, how he's growing you, the joy that you have, the things that God is doing and answering prayer, whatever it may be for you. Remember what the Lord has done and make known that to others. God is good. And God wants to do healing to you. He wants to grow you. He wants to make you a new creation because he's done that for me and he's done that to those who turn to him and trust in him. You know, one of the things that I want to do is I want to make known God's faithfulness. Yesterday was a a special day for me, and uh, maybe perhaps some of you heard it when I was uh, broadcasting on Calvary Live yesterday, but yesterday was actually the 20th anniversary, January 19th, 1996, when we had our first Bible study. It was in our home, Friday night, going through the book of Revelation. Sue and I remember that as it was yesterday. And Barbara was three years old, Luke was one years old, and the other two kids, Rachel and David, weren't even born at that time. We came up to Greeley. We didn't know how to start a church. All we knew is that God put a calling on our lives, that we had a heart for Greeley, and we had been praying about it. And, and it didn't make sense, you know, practically for us to leave. I was on staff at, at Calvary Chapel there for four years as an assistant pastor, and the church was growing. We had a lot of friends we didn't know anybody up here in Greeley. We knew John and Becca, and we had met a couple other families, but we didn't know anything about starting a church. You know, we didn't know how God was going to provide for us. We didn't know if we were even going to be a church. All we knew is the Lord said, I want you to go and teach the Bible. And it wasn't that we felt like Greeley needed another church, but we felt like we could come up and do verse-by-verse teaching. And that emphasis of teaching through the Word of God. And when we came up in 1996, we were the only Calvary Chapel north of Denver. And I remember that we put a little, little advertisement in the paper, and I still have it. I've been looking for it. I got it somewhere, but, you know, that tells of, you know, Calvary Chapel Greeley, January 19, 1996. And a phone number to call if you want to come. And, and that first Friday night, looking out the window about... You know, 7 o'clock, it's about 10 minutes till, wondering if anybody was going to come. So excited, so nervous. You know, we didn't have any money with the church. I, I remember that we came up, I had my Bible, and I've told you this before. I went to the music store and I bought a $300 guitar and a stool like this one right here. I don't think that's the same stool, <laughs> but one just like it. At Hewham Woods, remember the old Hewham Woods? We went there, and we had enough money to buy that, and then we just invited people, and some people came. There was a family that came that had five kids. We were so excited. I just about had a heart attack seeing them come up <laughs> the sidewalk. But we were doing Friday nights, and then Sue and I, I remember taking walks with the kids wondering, are we ever going to get a facility, Lord? And 
are you going to provide for that? And, and it would be in June when we had our first Sunday morning of that year that the Lord provided a little facility downtown where we can put in about 40 chairs and a couple of rooms for the kids and stuff. And that first Sunday, I remember as well. And it was exciting. And we had to trust in the Lord. And we had to depend on him. And we've always made it, you know, to, to where, Lord, we are going to do that. And, and I don't want to ever lose that. You see, we didn't know if we could pay the rent. Rent was $1,500 a month. That was like a million dollars to us. Really, it was. And I remember we were, you know, um, there was times where that summer where uh, we were getting a 501c3, and, you know, uh, that cost like $500 to, to get, you know, that done, and, and then, you know, the rent. And I remember thinking, we don't have enough money for the rent, and there'd be literally a knock on the door. Somebody knocked on the door and said, oh, we weren't in church Sunday, but we wanted to give our tithe check. And God always provided, and we've always lived by where God guides, he provides. And we've never come up, des you know, desiring that our main principle is, you know, try to be the most dynamic ministry or to make a name for ourselves, but to come up and to teach the word of God in the environment of love. And to watch God work over the years has been I'm so thankful I, I get overwhelmed when I really think about his faithfulness and his goodness to declare his marvelous deeds. And you see, I never want to get away from trusting the Lord. And I know that uh, two verses that the Lord has really laid on my heart this week is Acts 2.42, that they continued in the apostles' doctrine, that is the teaching of the word of God, and in prayer, and in breaking of bread, and in fellowship. And... God added to the church daily those who were being saved. And that needs to be the model always of Calvary Chapel Greeley, that we continue in the Word of God. And I love it that we open up our Bibles and we study God's Word. We've gone through all 66 books of the Bible, and we're about ready to finish a second time. And we're going to continue to study God's Word, but also be a church that prays. And one of the things that I ask, that it's been a marvelous 20 years seeing God work. We've seen people get saved. We've seen kids grow up in, in, you know, in the church that are involved in ministry, that love the Lord. And, and that's one of the fruits of being here for 20 years, is seeing that happen. I'm so blessed to see that, that Jamie is going to be leaving next week for the mission field back to the Philippines. And Barbara is going back to the Bible college. And I remember when they were small and, and, you know, just little ones in the nursery, you know. We had literally, our first nursery was a closet. It really was. That we turned into, you know, we kind of broke out the side wall. But it was, you know, the size of, you know, probably uh, a third, about from here to the end of the platform. That was the nursery. And Jamie and Barbara were in that nursery. They grew up in that nursery till they went to, you know, Sunday school. And on Saturday, they're going to be speaking at the ladies' conference. And ladies, you're going to be blessed. And that blesses me to know that God's doing that work in them. To see that there have been those who have grown up in this church that are involved in ministry, that, that again, people are growing in the Word of God fruit being produced in people's lives, missions that have taken place. And I really believe that 
God still wants to work. I believe the best is yet to come. I really believe that with all my heart. You see, the church growth people and marketing experts say that whatever you're at at 10 years, that's what you're going to be. And I don't believe that for a minute. Because I believe God wants to work in these marvelous ways in, in these very perilous times that we're in. And I believe that he desires to work in us and through us as a church, as a congregation. But I do ask this, that you continue to pray. May we never take for granted what God has done here. And one of the things that I've done in the honesty of my heart is try to, the best of my ability, but depending on the Lord, of course, that every time that these doors are open, on Wednesdays and Sundays and other times, that we do ministry with integrity, that you are hearing the word of God, that we're doing the best that we can to please the Lord in the fear of the Lord and in the humility of the Lord, and that we come into this place with fear and trembling, the staff, and that we take that very, very serious, and we're very thankful for you who support the ministry, who believe God is working, and we're seeing God work through the radio, through, you know, outreach, uh, planning on uh, doing more outreach this year, and and what God has for us. But we need your prayer. May we never take that for granted, what God is doing here. Never take for granted the group of believers that he has brought together and what he has done with this church family. And may we declare his wonderful works, oh, not boasting in ourselves, but boasting in him. Great things that he has done. And the things that he wants to do and coming in faith and knowing that he wants to work in this year and the years ahead as long as he tarries. And that we're going to see God continue to provide whatever he has for us and continue to work. I pray for a mighty movement of God's spirit in this place. I pray that people, more people get saved and more people are helped because there's a lot of hurting people. And some of you that are here, you're hurting. You're hurting. You have a hole in your heart for whatever reason. And maybe it's because of a loss or because of a difficulty or maybe because of a circumstance you're facing that has been very, very hard. And I'm sorry for your hurt. But I know that the answer is Jesus. And I know that he wants to do a marvelous work in your life. And he's going to be faithful to you. And that's what this psalm is going to talk about. As we're going to pick it up here next week. That you see, we can be thankful because we have the Lord. And we can call upon him and make known his works. And then in verse 2, sing to him and then glorify his name and rejoice in him. And as I said, that being thankful and being, you know, one that rejoices or have enjoyed is linked together. If you don't have a thankful heart, you're not going to have a rejoicing heart. And then to remember him as we remember great things that he has done. But know this, that God is faithful, and that's what this psalm will talk about. And if there's anything tonight that you get, he's going to be faithful to you. You wait and see. You may not understand everything that you're going through. You may not understand everything that's going on around you. But he is faithful. And he loves you. And you can call upon him. 
and you seek him, as verse 4 says twice. And you can have confidence in this, that he's going to see you through, all right? He's going to see you through individually. He's going to see your family through. And he's going to see us through as a church. And we need to stay close to him because he holds it all together, right? And we were created for his good purposes. And one day we're all going to be in heaven together. And we're going to say together as Revelation chapter 19 says, Righteous and true are your judgments, O Lord. Righteous and true are your decisions. We may not know fully what the Lord is allowing in our lives, but know this. He wants the very best for you, and he wants the very best for this church. So let's always rejoice in that. Let's always remember that and always glorify him for that. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for tonight, and I'm so grateful for these last 20 years that you've worked, but in so many different ways. And, Father, I know that in this room that many of us are thankful for your marvelous works for making us a new creation in Christ Lord we can be thankful for forgiveness of sin and we can be thankful for the cross and Lord I just want to pray if by chance there's anybody here tonight listening to this message that You've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. He loves you. He created you, and you were created for him, for his good pleasures. And he's not going to force his way into your life, but he is going to call you to surrender your life to him for forgiveness, for salvation, and to be able to have right relationship and access to the Father. And you come in faith and recognizing that you can't hold it together. You can't earn heaven. You're not good enough. But he is so gracious that he died for your sins, all of them. And he wants you to have that newness of life and the new beginning. If you've never given your life to Jesus, will you do so tonight? We give this invitation every service because I don't want to take for granted that that everybody here has a relationship with Jesus. Maybe there is somebody listening on live stream. Oh, we want to tell you the marvelous gospel that Jesus Christ loves you and died for you. Will you give your life to him right where you're sitting in your heart? Surrender your life to him. Come in faith and understand that you're a sinner that needs to be forgiven. That Jesus rose from the grave after he died on that cross for you and he's alive and he says, come, come to me and call upon my name. And you can pray, Jesus, I come to you right now, a sinner, and I ask that you would forgive me. And I ask that you would, Lord, be my personal Lord and Savior. And I believe that you're alive. You rose from the grave. And I thank you for conquering sin and death and forgiving me of my sins and loving me. And I want to live for you. And I surrender to you. My life is not its own. And I thank you for your mar marvelous work on the cross and in saving me.
Help me to live for you, Lord, all the days of my life in Jesus' name. And if anybody here prayed that prayer, I'm going to, after the service, be here. And as we conclude the service, come up and tell me the decision that you made.